Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Bill and Ted Tussle. So on Monday's episode, we went on an excellent adventure. But today, dum dum dum, things aren't as rosy for Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan as Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter return for a sequel that sends them not through time, but into other dimensions, I guess. Not sure where hell is, actually. I guess down. Either way, it's time to head back to 1991 for Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So which movie will be crowned the Clash Pod champion this week? We'll find out at the end of the show. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters! You might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later, you'll dance with the Reaper. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. This week, it's part two of the Bill and Ted tussle. These were Chris's choices, uh, who remains absent this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a photo of him lying on an inflatable in an infinity pool. <laughs> um, if you uh, want to uh, imagine that, it's a lot like Ray Winston in Sexy Beast. <laughs> He looks like a furball <laughs> on a plug. <laughs> I don't mean that, that's all. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> a furball on a plug. <laughs> hey, Chris, was that the look you were going for? Uh, his connection was uh, Bill and Ted, so that's how we're here. Uh, now, V, you took us on an excellent adventure on Monday, and now I shall be your tour guide on a bogus journey. I'm going to say this. I'm struggling with the synopsis bits at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's because we had the... Am I allowed to say this? What? We had the the constructive note to try and make them... And this, I know this was directed at me, but in particular, mm. and then you second, mm. but to make them less, quote marks, wacky. Yeah. Because Chris doesn't like that. And then you don't like it, I don't think, but you still do it. And uh, I haven't this time. Have you not? Yeah. I'm pretty much going to read uh, the, the plot synop- of the movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's that long as well, look. And that's word processed. <laughs> Take a break. Do you want to go for a cup of tea? I'll call you when I'm done. (laughs) 
Five years have passed since the events of Excellent Adventure, and in all that time, Bill and Ted still cannot play anything resembling a coherent song in their band, Wild Stallions. How are they going to win Battle of the Bands and bring peace and harmony to the world of the future through their music? Bogus. Also, Chuck Denomalous, a future bad guy, sends robot versions of Bill and Ted back in time to murder them. So begins a quest to get their lives back, escaping hell, beating death in a series of games, visiting heaven, meeting station, before finally learning how to play their instruments and winning the Battle of the Bands competition. Now all we can say is... Let's rock! which is simultaneously broadcast on every channel across the world, thus turning into the legends that they were meant to be and uniting civilization through the music of Kiss. Yeah. For your consideration, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. You all right? Yeah, it's, fa- it's fine. I just... Oh, it, I'm just being petty because there's not as much work involved, you know what I mean? Like In what I've just done? Yeah. All right. I mean, you've got to read it out and you do that really well and very, really professionally, but Thanks. there's no writing there. Like, you've just. Well, I wrote it. Did you? You didn't just cut and paste it off the internet? No, no the stuff on the internet's way more concise. <laughs> and also, it's very rare that anyone's asked to sort of write this synopsis for a film unless you work for Wikipedia, and we did yeah, how true. much I dislike Wikipedia on the last episode. Bill and Ted are dead. <laughs> Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude. But is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? Enjoying the family. <laughs> no way! Invading the present. I totally possess my dad. <laughs> Battling <laughs> the future. You metal, dude! Excuse us, but your shoes are untied. <laughs> Can't believe we just melted in death! And meeting their maker. Guy? Congratulations on Earth! Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. Best of seven? Damn right! Ah, dude! Left hand red. Ted's bogus journey. First experiences of the film Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Victoria. Well, uh, really interestingly, um, I can't remember. Mm. I watched it on a video okay. in my house. A video? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Um, Your house? My house. Wow. Oh, no, not that's weird. Yeah, ah, it would have been a child. So No, there my parents' house. That's why we do this section. Although, I'll oh, sorry, I'll try and make a bit more of an effort. This is the one I remember. Oh, no, this is the rules because I'm not allowed to. That other note was... Don't give us your opinion. Yeah. So I'm just literally saying a fact. Do you know what I'm watching now? I'm watching Schmeagel and Gollum have a conversation. <laughs> I know, so it must be yeah. quite disconcerting. Yeah. Um, oh, God. All right, fuck it. I watched it on a videotape in my house when I was a child. Mm. There we go. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, Same for you. I remember... I'm just going to read all my notes now. I'm not going to even try. Uh, <laughs> 
I remember being really confused about the idea. Oh, this is actually quite interesting. I do remember being very confused when I saw that the sequel because it was called Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and I'm not sure why. I, I, I genuinely think it confused me because I was like, oh, the, the first one was an excellent adventure, so Bill and Ted are going to be on another excellent adventure. And you know, I don't like watching depressing films. Yeah. And I think when it was said it was a bogus journey, I was like, well, why would I want to watch that? I don't want to see Bill and Ted have, have anything. Yes. Yeah. Have anything less than a good time. Uh, although I was captivated by the picture of William Sadler as the Reaper yeah. on the poster. And I was yes. like, this is interesting. Yeah, I, the, the poster I remember so much more than Excellent Adventure, uh, everything about it. And obviously they came out quite sharpish. Um, Three years. Yeah, which is nothing really. Mm. And I probably watched them really close together because I watched them years later. But it, of of the two, it's definitely bogus journeys, like imagery, cast, story, all the rest of it that stick that stayed with me. Okay, he would be going. I know he'd be going to hit shit. Livid, yeah. right? Give away now. the ending. Yeah, well, let's go. Wait for the verdict. <laughs> Um, all right, we covered a lot of the trivia, unsurprisingly, and the backstory to this movie uh, in the first film because it is a lot of the same going on behind the scenes. The same writers returned, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, who we discussed on Monday's episode. We're not going to go through that again. Interestingly, the original title was Bill and Ted Go to Hell, which I love. It's really funny. But uh, they were worried about American audiences going, ooh, hell. I'd have preferred that to Bogus Journey. There's something about Bogus Journey that sort of says you're not going to enjoy this film. Okay. It's me. It is me. I know it's me. It cost $15 million more to make uh, and made nearly $15 million less uh, than the first is movie. Is that true? Because mm. I didn't do any reading around it because I thought, hey, what's mm. the point? Because you're going to tell me. No, all that, was this a, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. You've got nothing mm. after that. that. I did not know that was true. Now, can we go big on this fact because this is where they end? I, uh-huh. uh, yeah, oh You God. couldn't believe that was I true. I can't believe that's true. Right, yeah, it cost, um, I don't know whether I mentioned, 15 million more. Wow. Mm. And yet made 15 million Approximately. Less. I made that sound better by using 15 million twice, but it was about 12. That's less. good writing. Thanks. There you go. That's effort. So yeah. now you've, you've leveled, um, leveled out there. Yeah. Um, uh, it still made its money back, though. It still yeah. made its money back. It was uh, it was profitable. But yeah, it, um, I, I mean. I can't you... believe that. So why did people not like it anymore? Or is it just the same people went to see it, but it cost that much more to make? Well, good question, Victoria. I have more. Um, There's an argument that says there was a bit of, because the first movie was such a a pop culture phenomenon and sort of was, like you said, like we discussed on Monday, it was breakfast cereals and there was a cartoon and there was also a live action TV show. And I can't work out if it came out before or after this, but it was utterly appalling by all accounts. But there was this saturation of Bill and Ted everywhere. So the thinking is that perhaps it had sort of, they'd been overexposed and people were like, I'm I'm kind of over. Okay. Bill and Ted now. Uh, Interestingly, you'll love this, uh, having worked as an agent and being very familiar with the pitching world. Sure. So uh, Fox TV were like, we want to make a TV show of Bill and Ted. And uh, so... Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon went in and pitched uh, their take on a TV series of their creations, Bill and Ted. And Fox went, that's interesting. And then passed and <laughs> gave it to Darren Starr, the creator of Beverly Hills 90210. Oh. They went, we prefer his pitch. Um, wow. He's, <laughs> he's also the guy who went on to do Sex in the City. Yeah, but, yeah. It, but, I mean, imagine going, 
we created them. And yeah. this is what They're we wanted. They're actually ours. Yeah. yeah. And them going, yeah. Oh, we, we loved it, but yeah. we like the way this guy <laughs> does it better. That's so brutal, isn't it? But that's the way it goes, uh, I suppose. In the future, he's going to make sex in the city. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so um, so it's uh, I've tried to watch some of it online. You can find some bits and pieces of the TV show, and it is utterly awful. Okay, and um, I, I feel sorry for the two guys who've been cast as Bill and Ted in it. Um, Were they anyone? No, I did. I good, good question again. Oh, God, I'm glad I did all this now. Uh, Evan Richards and Christopher Kennedy. Uh, I think Christopher Kennedy's carried on working with some frequency in TV. Evan Richards hasn't done quite so much, but no, this was it, and then gone. But it's just, it's kind of an impossible task. I will say what it does, watching them do these quite terrible impersonations of Bill and Ted, you do appreciate the nuance that Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves bring to those roles. Did you watch the... the audition tape that Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter did together. So they're on the internet mm. at the moment. So obviously they are, they auditioned, as you said, lots and lots of people. So the tapes are Alex Winter sat with some dude and some dude sat with Keanu Reeves to sort of show you when it doesn't work. It is actually, it's just so annoying. <laughs> and it's the Eddie Van Halen bit about, oh, dude, we need Eddie Van Halen um, in our videos. So these were other guys yeah. doing it with Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter as well. Oh. So like that you're being shown. They weren't. They they sort of cast. What am I trying to say? They auditioned lots of different people in both roles. As I understood it, though, I, I, the reason I say it was Keanu Reeves with different people because they, I think they were pretty much set on Keanu Reeves from very early on. Okay, and then he was returning to audition again, right. and he met Alex Winter. Yeah, who got there early. And so they just struck up a, a chat yeah. before the audition and found out they had loads in common, like they both like bass guitars and motorcycles. Yeah, which is it's really cool. odd because I mean when that's you, really cool. What liking bass guitars? <laughs> just like if like if your two things like I like bass guitars and motorcycles. Anything like, else? Shit, nope. Me too. <laughs> yeah, anything else? That, what, that's that is everything. It. That yeah. is everything. <laughs> yeah. I got my bass guitar and I'm on my motorcycle. <laughs> what else need, do you want? I don't need anything else. But apparently that conversation meant that when they got in the room, they were like they already had a kind of yeah. Um, it's weird because the audition tip they're not. Change, they're not improving. They're not. So they're not necessarily using their um, natural uh, energy um, to riff off each other. They're saying the lines as written, which I suppose is only fair in an audition process, or I guess. Um, but it's so different when they do it when it's anybody else, because it just feels like someone else is doing a bad impression of the other one. Yeah, it's really weird. That's what this TV show looks like. Yeah. Um, we didn't mention it on Monday. The only the, well, another thing I'd change is I. Uh, the 80s, uh, terrible uh, fashion uh, at times. Uh, some not so bad. I'm not just, uh, you know, it's not a blanket. I hate the a 80s. blanket, no. <laughs> not a blanket, no. Uh, I do not like a cut-off T-shirt on a I man. I wondered where you stood on this because mm. it's such an, it's, it's quite an iconic look and it's quite a, a statement, isn't it, yeah. that he's got a crop top on. He's got a crop top on, yeah. I did read an article about they're making a comeback, but it's probably just clever PR for Bill and Ted 3. They're probably not making a comeback. If I was 22 years old, 23 years old, as Alex Winter was when he was filming that, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd definitely stick on a crop top right now. Would you? I just feel that it's a, they're an ageist uh, they are. top because uh, as I've got older and, you know, I'm not quite as uh, as rugged as I <laughs> once was. You never were. I just... My stomach is not the, the part of me that I go, is there a T-shirt which really exposes <laughs> exposes the gut area? I'd like a T-shirt that covered the gut but revealed the nipples because, uh, my, you know... you Like a backwards vest. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, have you know, like... like a, sort of like a boob tube but went over my gut. Yeah, OK. So you'd have like the racer front at the 
that should be at the back, but at the front. Mm. So that would go down. That would then uh, navigate mm. the boobs, mm. but then would drop down full coverage in the stomach area where you feel you need it. Do you think if you were wearing a crop top as a man in 2020... Yeah. Let's let's put Chris in it, for argument's sake. Sure. Do you shave uh, that... Uh, the, the line. The little vapour trail of hair that goes down to the pubis? <laughs> I guess it depends what club you're going to. Right, OK. Ask him. He probably would do it anyway. You know what he's like. He's quite. He's very. He's got a lot of body confidence actually, which you know I respect. Mm, you do respect that, yeah. And he feeds on that respect. <laughs> um, here's the most interesting fact about Keanu Reeves and about Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It better be. It is. I don't <laughs> prefix a fact with here is the most interesting fact unless it bloody bloody is. Now I'm under pressure. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Point Break mm-hmm. were released seven days no. apart. No, that is seven a good fact. Seven days apart. It's weird because both did okay at the box office, but both got mixed reviews, but have both gone on to become bona fide cult classics. Yeah. And no other actor has had movies that had that trajectory yeah. that were released within seven days ever in the history of cinema. That is a good fact. Thank you very much. Shall we go through the film? Sure. All right. We open in the future which I like because I like the future and I like things that look like the future and I like world building and they've built a world here that looks in probably about three to five minutes of screen time a complete world. Um, It is a college at which Rufus is teaching Mm -hmm. uh, now. Um, We do see a a statue outside of, of Bill and Ted in their classic poses. Be excellent to each other. Is it a joke that that statue of Keanu Reeves is possibly the most offensive visualisation of Keanu Reeves <laughs> I've ever seen. What do you mean? He doesn't look very handsome. His, he doesn't look anything like him. He's like got a <laughs> massive bulbous head and it, the dimensions are off. I'm giving the movie the benefit of the doubt here and going, that's just a joke. But I don't think it is. No, I didn't see that. I just It's just a bad statue. Um, do you know um, the, where they shot uh, that university? Uh, that is the Tillman Water Reclamation Plant in Van Noy's LA. Wow. And I mentioned that because there's a few Star Trek references in this movie. Yeah. And that is uh, the building that is used to represent Starfleet Academy in episodes of Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek The Next Generation. That's a quite a good fact. I'm quite excited mm-hmm. about that. Did yeah. you think that everyone in the future was dressed like a... <laughs> I've got, I'd be interested to see what you've got. Mm. I've got Dutch rave smurf. <laughs> what have you got? Oh, I wish I'd come up with something unique and original. I've just got, oh, wow, the fifth element had a yeah. car boot sale. <laughs> yeah. I like it, though. I like how everyone looks. Yeah, I like the big squidgy boots. They look comfy, yeah. although that is a lot, it's a lot of man-made fibre. Yeah. I bet that. We've hot. not learned our lessons in the future, have we? No, we haven't. Uh also great because uh, it's only two weeks since they last got a mention on the show. Uh, so James Martin of Faith No More. Oh, I know. Yeah. <sighs> Weird. Um, but there's some great jokes in here. Uh, Rufus talks about how Ben Franklin and Aretha Franklin are going to be doing a lecture <laughs> together, which is good. Uh, and then Denomalous turns up, uh, who I lasted three minutes going... Oh, well, wait, wait, I can work this out. Where do I know him from? You, I thought you were going to help me. Because I can I tell you. I was like, Joss Sackler. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. But I couldn't find anything that really jumped out. It's like, it, it didn't scratch that itch of like, that's exactly where I know you from. So what is it? I cheated. I had to look it up because I was like, I know I know you, but I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, Lethal Weapon 2. 
Oh, the villain, ba- the, the big bad, bad dude, guy, yeah. yeah, the big bad guy in Lethal Weapon Two. He's not also in. Do you remember Nightmare on um, Children's ITV? Yeah, with Traegar and Pickle the Elf. He's not in something like that, is he? Because <laughs> like, he probably wouldn't be on his IMDb profile because it's a bit weird. But... Yeah, and also something like there was nothing like Nightmare. <laughs> Nightmare was like it was unique. <laughs> I just can see him as. Oh, just... you mean one of those shows where they put a helmet on someone and put them in a green room and then shit computer graphics <laughs> and shout out the illustrated <laughs> and then there was that horrifying bit where if there was food in the room and only if there was food in the room, so they had a chance of rescuing themselves. At that point, your health would start to decrease. And the way they <laughs> visualized that was a human face mm, where Gretchen. Away. It was. <laughs> Like a lump of like the, a quarter of the face would go off and float away in computer graphics, leaving the tendons underneath. Yeah. And then the tendons would float off and then you'd be left with this skull and that's when you were dead. I can't believe that you were allowed to talk to children like that back in the day. Yeah. There was something weird about it, though, which I always thought was probably terrifying because if you're the kid who's got the helmet on, yeah. so you can't see anything and mm-hmm. you've been guided, go left, two steps, turn mm-hmm. right. When they actually introduced other physical characters into that and there'd be some goblins who were walking towards you and he had to escape them. Mm-hmm. If I was a kid with a helmet on and I could hear them going, there's goblins coming towards you mm-hmm. and you can't see anything and there's something else in the room. Yeah. But you're fucking nightmarish. Yeah, they were the best and bravest amongst us, those children. <laughs> they did get to go on a giant mechanical <laughs> dragon though <laughs> that flew them into oh, wherever yeah. it was, nightmare land. Uh, so, yes, uh, no, he wasn't Traegar. Okay, just or, good. Well done. I don't think there was anything like that. I think Craig Charles did a virtual reality show on BBC Two. I feel, feel he, we've got off the point. Yes, anyway. Uh, Water slides. No, I'm kidding. Carry on. <laughs> so, uh, Denomalous does not like Bill and Ted. He wants them dead uh, because he thinks they're fools and he wants order and discipline and not to worship people who go, be excellent to each other. Mm-hmm. And at that rock point, I wrote... I kind of agree with Denomalous. Do you? <laughs> I was a bit like, yeah, if you're not into that, and that is everywhere, and people doing slow air guitar, you'd be a bit like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. I'm going to build some fucking robots. I'm going to build some fucking mental robots, and I'm going to send them back, and I'm going to kill these motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm going to kill these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of with him. Kind of with him. But nevertheless, uh, he gets he sends his robots back. We meet the bad robots. They go back. Uh, and then Rufus, a lot like Napoleon in the first movie, because if it works once, why not do it again? Yep. Gets dragged after the phone box into the time circuits. So that's a nice start. We got our villain set up. Yeah. And now we are into the world of San Dimas, five years on from the original. Uh, Bill and Ted... Uh, have to compete in Battle of the Bands. We are told that this is the most important Battle of the Bands. It's the Battle of the Bands that is going to cement their legacy as these cool future dudes and everyone's going to worship their music and live by their be excellent to each other ideas. Uh, it's not going well. Uh, they haven't learnt shit all. Uh, <laughs> uh, the princesses have. Uh, still not sure we know their names right now, but uh, they have learnt to play, but Bill and Ted haven't. Uh, instead, they're working at Pretzels and Cheese, at which point I pressed pause and made some cheese on toast because I didn't have a pretzel, but it sounded fucking delicious. It does sound good. I, you know what I wish? I think it would have really worked here in the movie, and I do not have many complaints about this movie as we yeah. go through it. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's one of them. I would like it if we'd seen them at work in pretzels and cheese. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why I think, not? I think it's all very well going, oh, we just work in pretzels and cheese. We just work in pretzels and cheese. Yeah, but let's see if you're any good at it yeah. or how funny you are at being bad at that. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I want, 
I think maybe just at this point, I was like, show me what you, that yeah, looks it's, like. It's more of a process question about is the cheese inside the pretzel or on top of the pretzel? Oh you ever thought of that, had you? What if it was within the pretzel? You mean like a stuffed like crust? Like a stuffed crust. Like a stuffed crust. You're injecting liquid cheese into a pretzel. I'd eat that all day. Suck it out. <laughs> but it would be like lava. So you'd have to be very careful. And then if you let it cool down, it's like rubber. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. That's the sad truth of a stuffed crust. Everyone thinks it's a good idea, but it's not. Mm. You know those pizza adverts where they put a slice in under, yeah. under one slice of pizza and pull it out? Yeah. And all and the stringy cheese, yeah. 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 Do you know how they, they actually do that with glue? Is that true? Yeah. Is that really true? Yeah, it's not. I, I mean, when you think about it, it's obvious. I was watching, it was like one of these, how do they do that Twitter videos that pops up on my yeah, face? Yeah, yeah, And I was like, oh. It's interesting. Yeah, they they fill it with glue down the sides, and then that's amazing. Like, I'm really interested mm. in food photography. Yeah, do you know how they do chicken? Because chicken, when it's cooked, when it comes out of an oven, starts to shrink immediately. So obviously the skin wrinkles up. And mm. if you want to show a chicken looking plump and juicy, you don't mm. want to lose the moisture. So they don't cook it; they paint it brown. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's true. Uh, I can believe that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but most of it is. All these foods that you see on TV and you go, oh, I'm going to eat some of that. It's yeah. not, you're not going to eat that because that is that's, that's that's asbestos. That's, that's glue on bread. <laughs> yeah. so. Um, so we don't get to see any pretzels and cheese. Uh, that's uh, one strike for Bill and Ted's bogus <laughs> journey. Uh, Colonel Oates mentioned in the first movie, the military mm. guy, he's back. This in a... is such a weird bit. Yeah. It's so unsettling. Like Ted's dad... It's still a dick. Mm. So his character hasn't moved on. That's fine. But when he's like, oh, Colonel Oates, Captain Oates, whatever he's called, and he's going to take you off to military school and he's like, all four of you, like to the babes as well. And it's like that, what yeah. the undertone there is very much quite sexual assaulty, mm. I think, which is what, which was my reading of it. But it's very, it's just very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, he is uncomfortable. And we'll get more into that uh, later on because there's a bit which I think explains a little bit about Colonel Oates, uh, which was left out of the movie. Really? Um, so uh, there is a great line here, though, because one of my f- two favourite lines in cinema is either shut up or fuck off. <laughs> and it, it just is. A uh, fuck off delivered properly in a film is there's nothing funnier. And shut up works just as well. And there's a bit where... Uh, Ted says to Bill, I can't believe Missy divorced your dad and married mine. And Bill just goes... Shut up, Ted. (laughs) Sold. Great line. And um, then they ask the princesses to marry them. Uh, Still don't know their names, but uh, but they're asked to marry them and it's beautiful and they have little... It is actually quite sweet. It is. It's really odd because they do make a joke later when they say, like, our girlfriends are most chaste, which is very funny. But prior to that, you've or around that time, you've had the proposal and they get a little kiss on the cheek for their trouble and stuff like that. And... It is very clever the way it's written when Bill and Ted are making their joint proposals, but they're quite they, these two dudes who like love each other so much, but they're too, they're too bashful to do that in front of each other, so they get like the scusers dude thing, mm. and they're doing a speech, but they've each got similar like lines in the speech. It was really cute. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is nice. It is, and I think it sort of really helps with this idea. I don't think you ever. It's interesting. I don't think you ever, like, I think with the first movie, and I know we sort of touched on this on Monday, but this idea of them being 14-year-olds, like, if they'd gone with that direction where they were 14-year-old metalheads, all of this would make sense. But because uh, these guys act young but are Mm -hmm. 18, 
it, it separates this this movie from reality. You never think of Bill and Ted as a sort of high school movie in which two high school guys end up traveling through time or yeah. doing this. It's very much sort of a fantastical world from the start, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, with yeah. Imagine how disappointing it would have been if the decision had been made to sort of age them up in line with their actual ages between one and two, between Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey. And after the proposal, the kiss on the cheek, and then one of them had tried to like slip a tongue in. Mm. You would have been really sad. And when you th- when the robots start talking about robot chubbies, oh yeah, it's awful. really upsetting. Yeah, it is. And they try basically like assault the princesses. Yeah, and it's not nice. No, it's not. But it works because earlier on, uh, around this scene, actually, after uh, <laughs> after um, Bill and Ted do propose. Um, and they're walking off together and they go, I wonder if after we're married, our girlfriends will stay over with us. I know. <laughs> not like, not even like, just like sleepover, like watch a movie, <laughs> eat some popcorn. Just like, that's it, little kiss on your cheek. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, uh, in the meantime, the robots, bad Bill and Ted, evil Bill and Ted, have arrived in San Dimas, real place. Uh, did check that out because I was like, is it like Santa Carla in The Lost Boys? It's not. It's an actual place. And they come out of the phone booth and they look at it and they go, not bad. The other one goes, let's make it bad, which I also liked. <laughs> I'm not just going to be doing quotes this week, uh, even though I could, because Chris isn't here. So <laughs> there you go. Um, and then um, we uh, get to, oh, I've done the full on robot chubby. Full on robot chubby. I don't like that. I don't like anyone saying that. And also, the other reason you don't like it is because you're like, you're robots and yet you have been given these human emotions and can you act upon them? Or if it came to it, do you actually, have you got the ability to have a robot chubby? Uh, that's what, what, why on earth would you design a robot? Hmm. This sidebar, but let me just get this done. Have you seen Cloud Atlas? Yes. So Cloud Atlas, one, Cloud Atlas, the book is one of my favourite things in the world. Cloud Atlas, the film, is not one of my favourite really? things. Really? Yeah. I loved it. Have you read the book, though? No. Fuck me, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've read it, like, four times. It's incredible. Okay. So the section in the future where we're with the... I think we're in South Korea, I can't remember, with the, the serving robots. Hmm. And she gets really disappointed. Yeah, I know the bit, yeah. Yeah, so she's she thinks, as a ro- she's kind of a robot, like, you get um, sent to this beautiful paradise, but actually you get stripped for parts and it's really horrible. And in Cloud Atlas, the film, she has sex with someone who's rescuing her. And she's clearly having a good time. I can't remember who's... There's a boy meets girl bit in there yeah. somewhere. In the book, he's like a resistance fighter and he rescues her and they use her as a propaganda machine to talk about how awful the, the server's lives actually are. In the film, they have sex and it's a really beautifully shot uh scene and it's quite good fun and it's really like luridly colourful and all the rest of it. But she clearly has an orgasm and I was like in the cinema I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. These are robots designed to serve you fast food. Mm. They've not even got they haven't got a clitoris. Mm. Or they haven't got any of it. Like mm. they've haven't even got a gap, yeah. <laughs> to put it bluntly. And why would you put a clitoris on if there's no gap? Why would why just stick it out mm. like like a broad bead? <laughs> like wasp factory. Yeah. <laughs> And it made me furious because it's, it's quite sexy, but it's like, you don't, no one does that. So Denomalous is not going to make, what's the point of giving evil Bill and Ted erections, quite mm. frankly? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I need to remember the film. I've been a, trying to get that thing about Cloud Atlas off my chest. Isn't, for there about, really, isn't there a bit where a guy like dies covered in some sort of gel or fluid in that section? There's a really, yeah. there's something upsetting that happens. 
but I think he's a bad person, so I think it's all right. Something weird. Not happens. Hugh Grant in it. No. No. But Cloud Atlas has been ruined by that Rick and Morty episode where uh, Jerry, uh, like in, in another dimension, Jerry is in the Tom Hanks role. And he, he's, he's like, he's like, tell me about the true, true. <laughs> it spoils it. But I'm going to read the book now. Honestly, it's, it's really, really good. Okay. So then uh, we are off uh, on our little journey where the robots decide to kill Bill and Ted. And they accomplish this uh, by throwing them off the Vasquez rocks. Uh, weirdly, the second mention of Vasquez uh, <laughs> in this show. Uh, the Vasquez rocks, which are just outside Los Angeles, uh, which are famous... Uh, because they're in the uh, 1967 uh, Star Trek episode Arena, in which Captain Kirk defeats the reptilian Gorn, uh, which we've actually seen on a TV screen earlier in this. So that's good. <laughs> Love a Star Trek reference. <laughs> uh, I like it when they're dead. I like the fact they're Bill and uh, Ted, but just grey. Yeah, I, I like think that. It looks really good. It looks really scary. Mm. And it's such a simple effect. Uh, and then, uh, for me, I've enjoyed everything so far. The movie properly starts now. Yeah, agreed. Because William Sadler yeah. turns up as death. And he is the most fantastic thing I, I have watched on screen in a long time. Not just in yeah, this completely universe. He's fantastic. He's so good. I've never, I've never watched an actor hit every single line they have, some of which mm-hmm. aren't actually written that funny yeah. with such perfection that he just elevates it to perfect. Yep. He's so good. He's brilliant. He's so good. Um, initially, they don't go with him, though, because uh, they Melvin him. <laughs> uh, the one and only time I've heard the word Melvin used. You? I didn't know it meant... I thought it was a, a man's name. Right. I didn't know it meant a wedgie. I mean, I know it's a man's name as well. I'm not... Oh, right, sorry. I didn't... Yeah. I mean, I assume nothing. It's not a, just a wedgie, though. I, I went on... Um, oh, uh, wait, is it not? Well, it's not just a wedgie, because a wedgie is uh, up the back. Yeah. Uh, Unless he's at the front. I'll, I'll, I'll read it uh, in the slang dictionary, which I visited online. Melvin has a surprising amount of uses uh, in slang. Melvin can mean a geek, square, dork or dweeb. Mm-hmm. It can mean an ugly person in brackets, typically male. Uh, it can also mean a, a dorky, slow-thinking male, often a sloppy dresser with poor grooming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can mean a, a wedgie in the front, sure. a front wedgie. And finally, it's also used to describe an asole- <laughs> an adolescent bum fluff moustache, so you can grow a Melvin. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You seem disappointed by that. No, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so then we're off to hell. Uh, oh, well, not quite, sorry. Uh, first of all, uh, they escape death and go back to San Dimas and... Um, uh, we get, uh, we're privy to probably the greatest Keanu Reeves impression ever by Hal Landon, his father, yeah. uh, who does a spot on yeah. Keanu Reeves, specifically as Ted, but still a very good Keanu Reeves. It's really good. And it's what we talked about on the Dark Man episode, where you, it's fun to see actors pretending to not be who they are mm. and being someone else. Mm. And the most brilliant part of that is the attention to detail when he does the air riff thing. And it's not a metal riff. It's a, like a, more of a classic guitar because he's an old dad. That's so funny. It is. Uh, and then they try and communicate um, with uh, Missy uh, when she's having a seance. Um, yeah. I, I liked this. I'd completely forgotten about this sequence. I think it's really good that Missy is given more to do in Bogus Journey than she is yeah. in Excellent Adventure. Yeah. She's got some acting to do rather than just bending over in pants or whatever, <laughs> which she's very good at. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, it's just just the new age thing is very just very much of its time. Like, yeah, it feels like they wrote these new age characters in for the séance scene and then just sort of had them hanging around at the end because they come back. They come back, so they use as like an emotional button, and it's like, have we run out of cast members <laughs> that someone was like, oh, someone, someone important or someone we already know needs to witness this? Oh, we'll just get the new age dudes back, but they don't mean anything to anyone, so it's an odd choice. The nonsense words that she speaks backwards during that seance, uh, if you uh, reverse them and write them... <laughs> Are you lying? No, 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 this is true. <laughs> she actually says, Deloro, Eft, Ulla, and so on. And if you what, they, what Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson wrote in the script was, Ed and Chris will rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, reversed it, so that's what she's saying. Uh, but it goes badly, and Bill and Ted go to hell. Yeah. Uh, uh, am I going to say this now, or am I going to save it for the bits? Um, hell's brilliant. Uh, I, I love, I love it when they get to hell. Yes. Um, I love the rocks. It's a. I, I love anyone's visualization of hell. I mm-hmm. love to see what people do with it. I think here we see. Um, it's Peter Hewitt. I should have said who directed this. He stepped in. He'd go on to direct uh, uh, Garfield and uh, Thunderpants as well, the UK Rupert Grint comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was his first movie. And um, <clears throat> I think he really brings uh, just a little bit extra. Yeah, to it's this. cool. It's so cool. And the idea of—I mean, I don't really know how it works—that various people have been bad are on rocks that are floating, attached to chains. That at any point, a massive devil can just press a button, and the rock gets dragged into some metal crushing jaws. And fine. And I guess that you just keep doing that over and over again. Cause... I think that there's the idea of hell that you, I mean, I always think. It always looks like, oh, I'm being flayed or burned or I'm pinned to a wheel. It's like, but then you die, but you can't die because you're in hell. Mm. So it's, that's just going to keep happening. And that's, again. that's the scary thing about hell. Yeah. Mm. The endless, but yeah, the intensity of it. Over and over and over again. Yeah. But then at some point, if you, I don't believe in the, I believe in the concepts of them because they are real, but I don't believe in hell. But your mind would just go. So you'd just be a gibbery no one because mm. if you had your human mind, which you must do in this idea, otherwise it wouldn't be torture because you'd have no mind to, like, contemplate that. Yeah. So your mind would just go to, like, jelly after a while, and then you'd just be nothing. Yeah, like Chinese water torture. Is that what happens? I think Chinese water torture is where they bury you up to the neck in the ground, uh, or your body is completely restrained. Yeah. And uh, and then you're only you're, your head is held in position, and then they just drip yeah. um, a drop of water yeah. over and over again, rhythmically, yeah. uh, ad infinitum, onto uh, the, just sort of the middle of your eyebrows and eventually you just go insane. Cool. Mm. Mm. Humans are amazing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, but, you know. We're really smashing those. <laughs> yeah. but there's that and then there's, you know, cheese strings. So Do you know? <laughs> you've got everything there, you know. On to- yes, we made people insane with water, but, mm, cheese string. But X Factor. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> That was your go-to. Cheese strings or... Uh, yeah, I don't even watch X Factor. I don't know why I said that. Mm. You know, I can't look at a piece of bamboo because I read about it being used as a torture implement. So to sit a prisoner over a bamboo plant, I don't hope... I really hope it's not true because it's awful. Mm. But if it isn't true, I feel like such a twat because I've told everyone it is true and I can't be near bamboo. Mm. Um, and because it grows so quickly and it's so hard, it sort of it grows up through someone. And then they just slowly are speared. What? I know, I wish I hadn't told you now, because what if it is true and you cannot unknow it? I mean, you bought yourself some time, though. Like, I mean, how long? It's, it's going to take a few weeks at yeah, least. Yeah, it's a few weeks, but it's so a very, very go, slow day. I, I could talk someone out of You probably could. I could talk myself out of that situation in a few weeks. <laughs> I reckon. Um, 
Uh, there was a scene that was cut out here, but you can find some stills online where uh, Bill and Ted, when they first arrive on their rock, uh, meet a demon uh, that uh, eats a rat in front of them uh, in an attempt to scare them. But they're like, that's awesome. <laughs> so uh, I don't know why that went. went um, also, also forgot uh, the great gag, which I, I'm sure I've seen elsewhere, but for the life of me, I can't remember where they're falling for ages before they arrive in hell. Yeah. And they're screaming and screaming and screaming. And then they decide to play a game of 20 questions. <laughs> and it is the funniest game of 20 questions ever. Hey, do you want to play 20 questions? Okay, I got one. Are you a mineral? Are you a tank? It's <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> <is> very funny. <laughs> There's so much information in that joke <laughs> about the kind of people they are. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, what did you make of uh, the big devil? Do you think he's scary? The big giant devil? Um, do you know why I didn't think he was scary? Mm. Because... There's a there's a shot. Let's say he's a he, um, and he's got two legs, and he's stood by the sort of grinding cog to like bring the rocks in. Mm. And the shot is by his thigh muscle kind of thing. Yeah. But you can see that he's wearing like a body stocking because it sort of puckers up by the way. And I was like, oh, it's just it's just because of when it was made, they couldn't <laughs> uh, presumably afford to like CGI this massive demon. <laughs> um, I wrote down my top five cinematic devils for you. What did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so at number five, it's uh, the devil from South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. Yep. Uh, at number four, it's Elizabeth Hurley in Bedazzled. Of course. The remake. Yeah, of course. Uh, four, Robert De Niro in um, Angel Heart. Yeah. Uh, three, uh, Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate. I can't believe that's not number one, but right. fine. Wait for number one. I think I might have got too many here. Oh, uh, Harvey Keitel in Little Nicky. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but number one is Tim Curry in Legend. <laughs> You are good. Uh, complete our second obligatory Team Curry reference this week. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, once they've escaped uh, the devil, they sort of end up in uh, my favourite set, which is the crazy corridors. <clears throat> yeah. I, I love a set where there are loads of options like this, different doors, which mm. lead to uh, different But isn't that realities. interesting because you fucking hate immersive theatre. So do. it doesn't make any sense to me. The only one I liked was the Drowned Man, where you got to yeah. wear masks because it was the anonymity and yeah. you just wandered around and you weren't meant to interact with the performers. Yeah. You were meant to just be an anonymous audience member who who was mobile. I don't want someone to go, come in this room. Oh, oh yeah, I went to a James Bond one. Come in this room. You've got to do this and do- get off me. <laughs> Don't touch me. I'm going to the bar. I'm going to the bar. Where's the bar? (laughs) I don't mind watching you have fun, but I don't want to be involved. I don't want to have fun. (laughs) It's not fun. Do you like it? I used to really like it, but I've gone off it a bit because it's got a bit, I'd say it's become a bit more of an unregulated frontier now. So I told you, I'll be super quick because I I can see we're doing a lot of sidebar. Um, I just went to one where it was like just run by kids and like no sort of sense of what they were doing. And it kind of culminated in them running down uh, Southwark Street, shouting, run, run. And it's like you are next to London Bridge. It's a very busy Thursday night. You cannot shout run in that situation yeah. you just can't and it's it's irresponsible this you it's not you didn't think it was funny they just hadn't considered the sensitivity around mm. that and it really annoyed me because it's like someone's going to get shot <laughs> and that's not going to be funny i don't want to be like the mum in the crowd going sorry can we just not take it down <laughs> take it down a notch it was hey. madness they took us into this building and they were like everybody on the floor and it's like really <laughs> like i don't know about this um yeah. 
no, I just but when it's done really well, when it's like you know, I put like punch drunk when it's when they throw a lot of fucking money at it, I do really really love it. Yeah, that that's, that's the one I went to, wasn't it? Punch drunk. Yeah. yeah, that was great. That was great. But no, I'm not even talking about immersive theater. I'm talking about this thing that they do in in certain movies where you sort of see. You don't see all the options, but you're led to believe there are millions more yeah. options that potentially could go through. And it's a really exciting thing. I guess other examples are um, Stay Tuned. Oh, yeah. You know, where there's like 666 yeah, channels yeah, yeah. and you only see a handful of them. Yeah. But also, depending on what they press on the remote, you're always like, it could it go could anywhere. Anything, yeah. It sort of breaks the convention of a film where you're like, well, they're going to go from there to there to get to there yeah, you're to right. there. And suddenly yeah. it takes you into this little sketch. You can, and you could stay idea. there all day because you're in really safe hands. You know that the writers are funny, the actors are good. So it kind of, you're so excited to see what's behind the door because it's going to be a treat no matter what. But mm. yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Cabin in the Woods, that's another one where they end up in the conveyor thing or they're yeah. crawling along and it's just like... It's cabinet after cabinet after cabinet with all yeah. the different monsters. And I'm like, oh, we didn't see any of them yet. <laughs> How are they going to make an appearance? And for the record, Cabin in the Woods, when those lift doors open and everything comes out is one of my favourite moments in cinema ever. <sighs> um, so they go through a few doors and we find out a little bit about Ted's history where he stole his brother Deacon, I mm-hmm. want to say. It is Deacon. Deacon. Oh, Waterworld reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and been made <laughs> Uh and uh, he's like the bunny rabbit, the Easter bunny is terribly pissed at him for stealing it and starts hopping after him. Uh, Bill, meanwhile, uh, visits his grandma, also played by Alex Winter. Oh, really? That's him in all the makeup. Good fact. Uh, who wants to give him a kiss and she's got sort of teeth. Te- oh, everyone has teeth, but hers are <laughs> unpleasant teeth and he doesn't want to kiss her and she's like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Colonel Oates uh, turns up, and if y- you weren't creeped out by Colonel Oates earlier, you fucking are now, because he goes, "You're silky boys." Oh, it's horrible! <laughs> it's horrible! <laughs> silky boys. Oh, does it mean something? I, I don't. I've think never it does. heard it before okay. or since. I hope it doesn't. But I was like, "That is, you're a silky boy." It's horrible. You're a silky boy. That is nightmarish. Yeah, and then he's like, "I'm gonna eat you up like." Warm, toasty butter cakes. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these are their own personal hells, and then they escape from them. And the Easter Bunny and the Granny and Colonel Oates are all chasing them. And then another brilliant bit that happens is they sort of just go, how do we get from these corridors to an entirely different part of this movie? And they simply go, we're going to have to play the Reaper. And he <laughs> yeah. turns up and like, bang, we're in hell. Like, we're in um, the Death Grim Reaper's castle. I think. Yeah. And it's just like... Yeah, great. Yeah, that is great. Uh, uh, you know, just because why not? It's a, a riff on uh, the Seventh Seal, <laughs> which is just great. Um, and so uh, here we are. We are uh, we are with death, and we're into uh, one of the greatest moments of this film, where he plays them at Battleship at uh, Cluedo, football, Cluedo, Twister, Twister. Um, and it's 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 simply uh, quite quite great. And William Sadler, as I said before, just nails everything. And you, I saw, I was started thinking about him because I think when I saw this, I'd, I think I'd maybe seen him in Die Hard Two at this point. Die yeah. Harder, where he's Colonel Stewart at the start, you know, where he's all naked doing <clears> Tai Chi, <throat> yeah, in the hotel room. And then you think about the Shawshank Redemption. I honestly. You sort of think back to all the roles, and we did him on the Mist episode. That's what I, yeah, I couldn't believe it was the same person. Mm. You go, well, I guy should have an Oscar. Yeah, he's so good. He's for this though. <laughs> yeah, for this. 
Um, so I'm just going to, I'm just because just in case anyone's like, Oh yeah, I sort of remember it, but I didn't get around to watching the movie. Well, this is, um, this is, this is how much of a meal <laughs> like William Sadler quite rightly makes of all his lines. J seven. I hit. You have sunk my battleship. Excellent! Yeah! I totally knew you'd put it in the J's, dude. Good thinking, Ted. You must play me again. <laughs> what? <clears throat> um, best two out of three. <laughs> no way! Yes way. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> is he a theatre actor? Don't know. I don't know because you just imagine yeah. like because he's, he's, he's done so, he's done so seriously such craft. Yeah. Um, and then uh, <laughs> that gag goes on. Best of best three out of five. Best of seven. Damn right. <laughs> uh, and it's it's wonderful. Uh, and then uh, we go to heaven mm-hmm. after that, uh, which uh, we'll talk about right after this break. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishcon. In 2020, self-care can seem like yet another overwhelming job for women. Every week, we test out a new kind of self-care so you don't have to. Firstly, can we just clarify how we pronounce it? Kombucha? Kombucha. Yeah. Kombucha. Kombucha. Self-care club. Wellness road tested. So that was the first day. You know, it was just the not slipping into the complete default mode of what I normally do, which is have a go at my husband for what he hasn't done. And, you know, all of that stuff, I kind of stopped. Okay, so it was more the absence of meanness rather than the projection (laughs) of kindness at this initial point. Yes. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. This week, we are testing out menstrual cups. How are you feeling? Dreading it. I know that you love to give a practice that's all about down below. I'm not interested. I've never even really thought about it since before I met you. You've that- never thought about your vagina until you met me. It doesn't get a lot of air t- <laughs> It doesn't get a lot of air time. No, it doesn't. The Self-Care Club is a Stakhanov production. Show sure, heaven, um, yeah, less exciting than hell. I, I, I it's a very traditional <clears throat> uh, visualization of, of heaven. I feel that's a fair point. I don't yeah. mind. It's sort of like it. It's just sort of like yeah, 
It's big. I mean, big and white. White, mm. peaceful. Everyone in pastels. Yeah, it's a weird colour palette. I didn't understand why everyone's in lilac and mm. pink and purple. Yeah. And I didn't understand the but... clothes. So Bill and Ted and the Grim Reaper mug three people <laughs> who are supposed to be wise people, yeah. which you are told, I guess, so you infer it from their clothes. But they, they're so old. They're like a pinafore dress. I thought one was like a, a maid of some description. A maid, mm. yeah. Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah, because Bill says to God, he's like, as you may have guessed, we're not the three wise men. And you're like, yeah. what? What? What, what, what? Yeah, that didn't make a, a whole lot of sense. Um, but uh, what did make sense was them being allowed into heaven by quoting uh, the poison power ballad, Every Rose. Every Rose. <laughs> All fucking day. I can't stop singing it. <laughs> yeah. True, though. Powerful message. Um, now, I think Chris might have been vocal about this. I don't know whether he said it, he said it on, um, on the show or off the show. But he, uh, he does not like Station. No, he doesn't, does he? How do you feel about Station? What are Chris's reasons for hating Station? He doesn't like the name. I just don't think he likes the, the character. <clears throat> I don't like... This is jumping ahead, but Chris isn't here, so it doesn't matter. Wow. So we've got two little stations, and then the joke is it's just the singular station, yeah. but it's two little creatures. Yeah. And then for no fucking reason at all that I can see, they become one big station. Yeah. What's the fucking point of that? Like, who can afford to... Like, now you talk about the budget, mm. now it gets interesting because it's like you've just spaffed all that money <laughs> making a big station or don't have two little ones. It's not like in the real world, you can't blend those costumes together to mm. make a big station. No. You've got to make three. Mm. It seemed really pointless I'm, and frustrating. I, I, I imagine had they come to see you... That would have been one of your yeah. first points when they presented the script. It's like, why have you got two little stations and then one big station? Yeah. I mean, is it because he can... It seems to be because he can work faster building robots, no, but because that's robots, not made clear. That's not made clear. You haven't made that clear in the script. That's a failure of the script. But also, if you're going to make a robot, you need to be quite dexterous and show the little hands. Do you know how they came up with station? They just... It made them laugh. The name station was the result of a leftover editing typo. Uh, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, they said they had to cut a scene from the script that was labelled Int Police Station, which, as we all know, yep. means international. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't think of the joke. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> international Police Station. Um, but uh, they, they took it out but accidentally left the word station part dangling and as they were drunk at the time, they found that saying station in tiny Martian voices was hilarious and the name stuck. So that's what happens when they start to use a word processor. That's Rather than writing the thing out by hand, you get hilarious gags like that. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'm, I prefer station to the weakest joke, because I'm going to point it out, is when Bill says to God, I love all your planets, Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. Yeah. Um, I mean... When McFly are doing the same joke in their song lyrics. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so, uh, Death uh, introduces them to Station. Station is playing charades. Um, and to go from the Uranus joke, the worst joke in it, to two of the best, um, when <laughs> Death starts trying to guess the charades yeah. that Station is doing for Einstein and Ben Franklin, uh, he goes, a, a Butch and Sundance, the early years. <laughs> And they're so appalled by it. <laughs> yeah. He goes, death. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
And then the right answer is Smokey and the Bandit 3. I knew you'd like that. Smokey is the Bandit. <laughs> Do you know that it's the most bewildering tagline um, for that film? Because for some reason they kept the tagline. The story uh, about Smokey and the Bandit 3 is that... Um, because we're never going to do it. Uh, so I'm going to tell you it now rather than save it for the Smokey and the Bandit 3 episode. Um, initially, Jackie Gleason, who plays uh, Sheriff Beaver T. Justice, uh, Beaver T. Justice um, he was cast in both the role mm-hmm. of the sheriff and he played the bandit. Right. He was doing dual roles in this movie. Okay. And they screened it for test audiences. And test audiences reacted with... We have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Why is he the sheriff and the bandit? What yeah. is he the same person? And uh, that's where the tagline, Smokey is the bandit, came from. Okay. Uh, but they cut him as the bandit out and brought in uh, Jerry Reed and uh, went, you know, now the bandit. And and then they just kept the tagline. So you sort of go, what? Why did they do that? <laughs> it sounds like a, a, a real shit show of a movie. Yeah. I, I mean, to watch it, it's appalling. Yeah. And again, talking about innocence as we were here with these films, like Smoking the Bandit 1 and Smoking the Bandit 2 are very innocent films. Mm-hmm. And Smoking the Bandit 3, I was sat down to watch as, you know, a nine-year-old, ten-year-old going, oh, Smoking the Bandit, mm, I can't <laughs> wait to see it. I know Burt Reynolds isn't in it, but I'm sure it's still good. It's not. Uh, also got boobs in it. <laughs> And I was a bit like, this is not what you sign up for with Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> it's all a little bit raunchy. It's like a sex comedy at parts. Okay. So I didn't like that. Broke me. <laughs> Broke my tiny mind. Uh, anyway, they build, Station built some good robots. I'll speed it now. Station built some good robots. Uh, Death has a very, very funny line in the hardware store <laughs> where there's a guy smoking and he goes, see you soon. Mm-hmm. And that guy, um, that line Death came up with, <clears throat> Death, uh, William Sadler came up with on the fly. He was like, wouldn't it be funny? He doesn't do the voice when he's not in character. Oh, I wish uh, he did. He might do. I don't know. But he said... Um, in the interview I watched, he was like, I just came up with it and I said it to Peter Hewitt, the director. I was like, I think we should do this. And Peter Hewitt went, great, that's a brilliant idea. We don't have anyone, so I'll do it. And the guy... Oh, is that him? The smoking guy is the director of the movie. Y'all. Um, and then um, you got the stations, like you say, doing that fucking John Carpenter the thing yeah. moment, which is weird. Um, and uh, then... Um, this is where it all changes. So as I, as I said at the very start of episode uh, one, uh, uh, part one on Monday, this is where like it's really interesting because you can find some stills online. A whole sequence was cut out of this movie because they go from building the robots to jumping in the van and going straight to Battle of the Bands mm-hmm. and then they walk in and defeat evil Bill and Ted. There's a whole other bit here where what happens is, and it, you hear it and you go, that's so good that um, Bill and Ted, when Denomalist goes, enact the final plan, and Bill and Ted, uh, evil Bill and Ted, are meant to open their chests Mm -hmm. and pull out fear canisters, and they press these canisters, and these canisters release the creatures from Bill and Ted's personal hells, but they're giant and scarier than they were <clears throat> in the hell sequence. So you've got the giant evil clawed. It's a horrible creation when you look at the stills. 
Easter Bumney yeah. chasing them along in the van with a granny in a wheelchair whizzing after them and Colonel Oates with a bazooka chasing them. Yeah. And um, and the bunny rabbit tries to rip off the roof of the van and get to them. And in the end, to defeat them, they have to face their fears. So Ooh, that's Ted nice. calls Deacon and goes, I just want to admit I'm really sorry. Yeah. I stole your Easter basket when we were kids. Bill goes, I'm just going to kiss Granny. And she's like, oh, was that so bad? Oh, um, that's really nice. Yeah. And then and then Colonel Oates, and granted they might have changed this for the film, but in the comic book adaptation, Colonel Oates, basically they talk to him and his dad was really abusive to him. And, yeah, and that's why he's like and that. And that's why he's like that. Yeah, yeah that's so, really good. And yeah, and then they all disappear. I suppose maybe it was cut because Bill and Ted not facing up to their fears hasn't been a thread running through it. Like they are brave, mm-hmm. even though they're brave sort of in a dopey way yeah. they don't know they're brave but they are brave but it's I would have liked to see that I think that's quite sweet yeah I liked it as well because I like the idea that it sort of brings back those hellish things and I think yeah. you, know, you can write around how they Bill and Evil Bill and Ted know that they have these fears and I think it's that you know because they have the same emotions of them they know the fears anyway yeah it got cut I also think it might have been because from the images I saw it's quite scary yes uh, <laughs> scarier than anything else in the movie so I wonder if the studio <clears throat> and Easter went... Rabbit is always terrifying because they don't have a real job. No. <laughs> when you've got too much free time, then you just start thinking horrible things. <laughs> I found. <laughs> <laughs> Is that our session over? <laughs> um and then we have the, the Battle of the Bands, uh, really, which is uh brilliant, uh, sort of. I mean, you know, I like the fact that Bill and Ted, good Bill and Ted robots just smash. I love the fact they just get punched to dust. Yeah. And there's no, they don't try and run away. They don't do anything. They just go like, oh, oh, oh we've met our match. Bang. Mm. And uh, and then we, uh, Bill and Ted, disappear and then come back uh, looking disconcerting. They look incredibly attractive. Really? I really thought so. This time I didn't mind it. As a kid, I remember having a real problem. And I think it's because they had babies on their back. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I was like, as a kid, I'm like, I'm Bill and Ted, I'm Bill and Ted. And then I'm like, what are those? <laughs> what are those little monkeys <laughs> on your back? Why are they there? <laughs> You've ruined this I, now. You've made two characters that I found incredibly relatable, completely unrelatable. Yeah, forevermore. Forever. <laughs> as it goes. So, as it turns out. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that. And then I do feel sorry for the princesses um, because Bill and Ted introduced the whole band and don't mention them. <laughs> it's just in keeping with the rest of it. Yeah. You mentioned this in the introduction. This is the best bit of the film and what elevates it, not mm. to give things away, Chris slash Mark Addy. Don't look at me like that, Mark Addy. Mark Addy! He's <laughs> <laughs> Mark Addy in the room. So judgmental. I've done so much for you, Mark Addy. Anyway, um, you'd said it and I, I can't think of a better way of saying it. So I wish I'll try and copy you, but I've forgotten what you said exactly. Mm. The plot point here, like, fulfills their destiny. So Denomalous messing around with the timeline is what makes the timeline possible because he sets up all the TV cameras so they can show the whole world how good they are. Yes. So from having been a film that disregards the potential in some ways of time paradoxes, it then uses it to round off the third act. And that's really, really good. Yeah. Very satisfying. And it also turns out that uh, Denomalos uh, is uh, a gym teacher. 
Oh, yeah. Which is great. That's really funny. It's yeah. a brilliant thing because for the whole thing, you think he's like this philosopher. Like yeah. He's got this ideology. He's a political <laughs> yeah. scientist. This is this is what I like. It's like his gym teacher. Yeah, they always are. <laughs> Bad ones, aren't they? You've got to, apologies, obviously, to any PE teachers. Which I, it's a personal thing. Bad experience. Yeah, me too, though. I, I, I think it's if you're not good at sport, they don't like no. you. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. I remember a couple of my friends who weren't good at sport. They high five. They high five in the training uh, the, the changing room and the PE teacher just sort of saw them and he was and he just sort of walked over and he was he was like he was like hey what was that what was that you're just doing there what was that just a little high five just doing a little high five why don't you do it again why don't you do it again you babies <laughs> <laughs> and it was so evil the way he sort of like lured them in like that's, that's a little bit fun wasn't it a little bit of a high five there do, do you want to do it again do it again you babies <laughs> Weird. It's a very stressful. Actually, teaching is a stressful uh, profession. Is being a PE teacher that stressful? Is there's no excuse for that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, God, I miss them. <laughs> I don't. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and uh, oh, oh, ooh, uh, ooh, shall we? Just because. The doctor's shocked. Man with no chance. Please say hello to death himself. The grim. He gets his own music. Yeah. You might be a king or a little street sweeper, but sooner or later you dance with the reaper. Get down with your bed, It's the fact that he does it as he walks away. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love him. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, you know what I'm like. I, 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 I've always been a fan of if you're going to have a really big moment in a movie, like one of these moments where people are achieving their their goal, like whether it's a it's – why, it's why, considering how much I don't like sport, I love a sports movie yeah. where because it's that moment where they, they throw the, the, the final throw of the American football. <laughs> whatever they call it. They throw the American football uh, and it's a touchdown. And they catch Maybe. it, and something like that happens. <laughs> but it's because you've got that you've got that beat built into the movie, and you've also got an audience there. That's true. And yeah, it's that's about, a good point. It's about a, an awesome moment happening, and other people reacting to it. Like yeah. they're sort of like, <gasps> and, and then, then your the, human Wah! empathy as well. Like if you see people being happy, mm. it's easier to be happy and laughing and smiling. Mm. It's like in action movies as well. When so, when some crazy action happens. And a character goes, oh, my God! Yeah. You're like, wow, that was... I doubled down on that. And and in this, because you've got the whole world there sort of watching them play this song, like, I... I, I, I'd had uh, some beers uh, by, by, by this point, but I did well up uh, at the end of this movie when they were playing a God Gave Rock and Roll team. Oh, yeah. And uh, then we get the newspaper headings throughout the credits, which tell uh, the the history. Did you um, notice that they're, they're all good and they're all like, oh, you know, playing a concert on the moon and whatever. But there's one that says the headline, it just is, we have nothing bad to say about them. <laughs> it's just really funny. Uh, I like the whole story of Death leaving the band to record a solo album yeah. and then coming back. <laughs> yeah. um, right then, uh, that is Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Shall we do the bits? Yeah. Okay, what is your best scene in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? The personal hell slash all of hell. It's clearly the best bit, mm. um, particularly to end it with the uh, session, the gaming session with the Grim Reaper. It's a real treat. Okay, well, 
I mean, I'm not including the personal hell. I'm, I'm separating out those sections. So okay, sure. I'm, I'm treating because I don't think death exists in hell, so that's not within the the, the boundaries of Whoa, hell. That's yeah, deep. yeah, I know. Um, uh, so uh, I'm picking playing games with death. Sure. Um, what? Who is uh, your MVW? Most valuable, whatever. It's very obviously William Sadler as the Grim Reaper. Good. That's that done. Uh, mine too. <laughs> and uh, change. What would you change? Um, maybe this was what was in that got cut out, but I love the robots. I love robot, uh, not the evil robots, good robot, Bill and Ted. I love the way they move. Like, I think there must, there must be dancers in there, like this sort of robo, robotronic. Yes. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're not saying anything, but you I'm, are giving yes eyes. I'm not saying so. no. Uh, I'm not saying yes either. <laughs> Rob, robotronics. Um, so either more of a dance sequence because I like a dance sequence or just get the robots doing a bit more because I'd love the way that they move mm. and all they get to they sit in the van and they look cool and then they punch the heads off something but it would be nice to give them a bit more to do but it's a real minor thing like I don't I'm not sure yeah. I would change much um, I would put back in the chase sequence uh, with giant evil Easter Bunny uh, chasing them down the street and then defeating their fears uh, from hell uh, just because I think it sounds cool yeah and I like a big scary rabbit. Hmm. So, uh, with that done, then uh, I guess it's time for this week's verdict. Mm. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Chris fans, I do have do his you? his <laughs> his votes in my hand. So uh, he'll go last as he pick the movies. Would you like to begin, Victoria? Uh, I will be quick because I think it's a bit daft. I'm saying this ahead of Chris doing this exact thing to go into too much detail. Mm. Uh, it's Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's funnier. It's better. Okay. Um, I have better written down on my verdict as well. <laughs> it looks better. The script is better. It's more out there. It has the devil in it. William Sadler is the best. Bogus Journey is so much better than Excellent Adventure, which I think is a bit twee in comparison to Bogus Journey, which is more irreverent and creepy like Joe Dante. Uh, I think I meant Joe Dan- the Joe Dante vibe. Again, it was late. Uh, also, it reminds me a bit of Stay Tuned. So there you go. Yeah. It is a bogus journey from me and bogus journey from Victoria. Bogus journey yeah. has won. Let's find out which way Chris would have gone. Uh, in the event of a tie today, and if you deem it necessary, my vote goes to Excellent Adventure. We don't. So if you need a reason, it's because I think Bogus Journey is a bit of a mess. So I prefer the purity and simplicity of its predecessor. Also, Station Sucks. Wow, that's really surprised me. Yeah, it surprised me as well. But like I say, since he loved that Layer Kate voiceover, I think everything he says is a crock of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he does like nice things, though. I think he likes things simple and nice. I think he, he probably... Probably was like, you can't put hell in a movie. You can't put the devil and death in a movie. Mm. Well, I, I prefer Socrates. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. We're done. Mark Addy, which way would you have voted? Bogus journey. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. He knows his ship. Uh, we are leaving now, but before we do, uh, Bogus Journey is the winner. Victoria, yeah. what movies are we doing next week? Um, right. Uh, Chris. Chris Tilly. Yes. You're doing... Oh, have I got this right? Rocketeer. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Um, Alex, you're doing Iron Man. Oh. oh. Okay, Rocketeer and Iron Man, the the the, the Rocketeer. And, the Rocketeer. And the Iron Man. 
Uh, the Rocketeer and Iron Man, then. Uh, our next week's movies. Get your homework done. And we'll be back on Monday to start with The Rocketeer. In the meantime, please do uh, subscribe to us if you can. Uh, thank you again for listening. Don't forget to stay in touch on Twitter at ClashPod. And we will be back very soon. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.